Hey everybody, it's Joshua Fields Milburn. We're about to dive into another live episode of the Minimalist Podcast. One thing really quick though, we are getting ready to head over to Australia and New Zealand and tickets go on sale this week. You can head on over to theminimalists.com, make sure you're on our email list and you'll be the first to know. Or if you're a Patreon supporter over at patreon.com slash theminimalists, you'll have access to the pre-sale tickets to those events. We're going to be in Australia and New Zealand. We're doing four stops in March of 2018. We hope to see you over there. All right, let's dive into this live version of The Minimalist Podcast. Enjoy. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it We discovered that song in a really strange way. I was on the subway in New York and uh, Peter just sent us a tweet and said, I really think you'll like this message. And we had no way to use the song, so I'm like, hey, this is our new official theme song. <laughs> but this was years before we had a podcast or anything we could use it for. Um, so now we, now we get to use Peter's song repeatedly yeah. every day. Peter Dorn is a very talented Irish musician. Anyway, hey, y'all, let's record a podcast. Live from the University of Calgary, welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and we are live in Calgary. Oh, that is great. Thank you for being here. Um, we usually take phone calls, but instead we have a microphone set up right over there. I believe there may, may already be some people lined up. Uh, Ryan, last night after the event, we, we were doing like the book signing line and hug line and all that fun stuff. This guy came up to me and uh, he said, hey man, this is my favorite cult I've ever been in. <laughs> which, which tells me a few things about this man. <laughs> He's tried out several cults before, before now. <laughs> I'm very thankful he's still alive. But, but then also that he thought this was a cult. And, um, well, it is. <laughs> no, Jess will uh, be passing out Kool-Aid later. <laughs> we have those, like, white Nikes for sale in the lobby. Uh, no, I, I, um, uh, I just want to assure you, for those of you who are dragged here tonight, this is not a cult. We are not trying to convert you to minimalism. But we do have a, a few answers, and we hope to, to give you a few answers. So if you wouldn't mind, tell us what your name is, where you're from, and what your question is, in that order. Hi. Howdy. My name's Keely Dunn. I'm actually your local community leader. Oh! So, hi, guys. Keely, it's so nice Good to, to meet you. Yes. So um, just, just before we get to all the great questions that we've got quite a lineup going, I just wanted to let you all know that we do have a local chapter that it would be really awesome for you all to join. Who here is actually already in the group? Put up your hands. Oh, wow. Very cool. Nice. Exactly. So, so for the people who don't know Keely, uh, give it a little synopsis of what minimalist.org is in Calgary. So what we do is just bring the local people together. We have our little meetups and our discussions, and we try to just bring uh, to Calgary the local flavor of what uh, Ryan and Josh are talking about worldwide. So. So, so for those of you listening to this at home and you're like, what the hell are they talking about, local group? It's the local cult. <laughs> no, it's... Um, well, in 2014, Ryan and I went on this crazy 100-city tour it was, uh, we basically donated 10 months of our life to do 119 different events in 100 cities, eight different countries. But people uh, before that, they, they would come up to us and say, hey, it's great that you're here for an evening, but you're leaving. How do I connect with open-minded people locally? And I would just sort of stare at them and blink a few times because I didn't have a good answer. I'm like, I don't know. Do they have OK Cupid here? <laughs> Which apparently was not the right answer. <laughs> um, but 
so we, we created something called minimalist.org, and it's free local meetup groups in 100 different cities. Many cities are thriving, and they have hundreds of members. And what that d- does, it takes you to this Facebook group page. And they typically meet once a month, sometimes more frequently. And so if you want to connect with open-minded people who are supportive, and you could talk about decluttering and minimalism if you want, but I've, I've noticed that a lot of people are talking about health and relationships and their career and advice and giving advice. And really, it's being supportive and being supported by open-minded people. They're not necessarily like-minded. They might have different beliefs from you. They may have, uh, I mean, Ryan and I are this way too. We're not like-minded. We are, we're both open-minded. You know, we, we, uh, we have radically different personalities. We have different uh, religious beliefs, different political beliefs. We even voted for two different people in the last election. Just so you guys know, there's more than two options in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad our country doesn't know that. Anyway. Yeah, so um, we we sort of just left those behind. We don't want anything from you. We don't require an email address or anything to sign up. We just want to leave that behind and say, hey, if you want to connect with other people, there's a great way to do it. And thank you for being the community leader here. That is so valuable and so helpful for a lot of people. No problem. So minimalist.org forward slash Calgary. Come visit. It's a great group. Really good looking. Lots of fun. And Keely, you do such an awesome job. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Josh. Hi, Ryan. Hello. What's your name? My name's Aisha. I am originally from Ottawa, and I just moved to Calgary a couple years ago. So Welcome. So I can't wait to check out that group. Um, I quickly want to thank you guys, just before I get into my question, for what you do and how you make minimalism so relevant and like applicable to modern-day life. Um, I was raised as a Muslim, and like minimalism is something that I was always taught through my life, like through scripture and stuff like that. But no one around me really practiced it. Like it wasn't, um, no one really exemplified it for me. So when I discovered you guys, like it was really awesome because you just made it so like easy. And um, I think my favorite quote from you guys from your podcast, and you say like, no matter what deity you worship, they all want you to lead a meaningful life. And I think that's just great. I really wanna thank you for that. Um, So my question today is about clothing. Um, I was really lucky to find your documentary just after moving here. And I didn't bring anything with me, just a few suitcases of clothes. So it was really easy for me to let go. So I just wrote um, my question down so I don't go off too much. Um, (laughs) So ever since adopting uh, minimalism, my closet is now dramatically reduced, but I'm finding it difficult to keep it that way. Unlike my furniture and other things around the house which serve a specific purpose, I find clothing to be more about self-expression and aesthetic. I like the idea of only owning a few well-tailored items, but I find myself constantly distracted distracted by other people's styles. I'm constantly dissatisfied with the clothing I have, and I'm always stressing out about looking trendy and copying my icons and what they wear. So I'm wondering if you have any tips on how to find your own style and be satisfied with it and to kind of like build these blinders and to stop being so dissatisfied by the infinite possibilities of outfits that are constantly marketed to us. It's simple, you just pick one outfit. And you just wear that. I love black. I love black, and I, I noticed a lot of. And you could spice it up with black. you could spice it up with laces. <laughs> and what or, or purple socks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a that's a great question. Um, because uh, the only reason why I wear one outfit is because like this is, it, it's like a very classic style outfit, and it's what I look and feel best in. Um, if I could pull off some like really cool like skinny jeans, I would, but that's, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, but, in fact, we, we were, where were we today? We were, we were eating at, at that uh, cafe, and the guy next door came out and said, hey, minimalist guys. Um, by the way, that's, that's our level of celebrity. <laughs> it's always, hey, aren't you that minimalist guy? And, and uh, he was like dressed so dapper. He With had the like, red loafers? He had red loafers, and it looked really good. He had this like, small paisley shirt on it was like like starched and you know we're, we're just rolled there out of bed from vancouver and uh <laughs> yeah yeah and and we were like man i wish i could pull that off and i think i think maybe and correct me if i'm wrong here ryan but but the thing that you just you, you touched on is the thing that i feel most comfortable because you could wear what he was wearing 
but it wouldn't feel good to you. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's 100% true. That's, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying is like, when you, well, <clears throat> even before I say, uh, you know, about looking at other styles and, and uh, not going out of your way just to get something that's in vogue, just for the fact that it's in vogue, I would really encourage you to like, stop comparing yourself to other people. Yeah, so we, we, we live in, in, well, we did live for the last five years in Montana. We're moving uh, this month. But, um, and, and I've gone to this, a lot of saunas with um, American Indian tribes. And uh, one thing that I've learned from that in different conversations is that um, they often view comparison as a mental illness. Right. And, um, and wanting more is also... Yeah, part of that illness. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you're never going to be 100% in vogue. No one here ever will. And, and the fashion companies um, and the celebrities, they, they stack it that way on purpose. So if you're always trying to keep up with the latest trend, well, uh, you're never actually going to be there because there's always going to be a new trend around the corner. So, uh, um, yeah, I would, I would just... Uh, say like yes, find find some things that are your favorite things that you look really really good in, and your friends and family, like the people who love you, the people who really care about you and want you to be happy, they're not gonna care what you wear. And if you are hanging out with people who are judging your clothing, then I would just ask you to reconsider who you spend most of your time with. Yeah, I, if I, if I were to add to that, I when you're talking about influences and you're being influenced by these sort of uh, external, and usually it has to do with something that's on a glowing screen, I'm assuming, right? Television or Instagram or... or um, Instagram is a big factor. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the, the ads there are fairly pernicious because they're so good. Um, yeah, People it, make a living out of making you want to buy their clothes, out of making you want to buy the latest fashion. So yeah, certainly something like that would be super influent, influential. So, so we used to have two seasons in North America, warm and cold, and that's what we dressed for, right? We'd put away the winter clothes and get out the summer clothes and have some sort of variation of that in the in-between seasons. Uh, we now, thanks to fast fashion, have 52 shopping seasons a year. Um, you'll never keep up, so, so keep that in mind. But I also see it as well. Uh, I, I can tell you, like, I, I, there are a few TV shows I watch where, like, uh, there's a TV show that I will binge watch sometimes called um, Ray Donovan, and uh, it is, it's like a typical pop sort of show, and it's, it's a fairly good show, but he is dressed to the nines, but really like understated, and I'm like, oh man, maybe I should wear a suit every day. Maybe I should have a piece of cloth around my neck. And so what I've learned is when I rephrase it like that, like, maybe I should wear a stuffy jacket. Like, wait a minute. Um, no, that's not, that, that's not necessary. And so for, for me, I agree with Ryan. I have to be comfortable in it. But here are a few tips for you it, to, to help out. One is you want to limit yourself. 90% of you have purchased an article of clothing within the last month. 50% of you within the last week, possibly today. Um, I'm not judging you for that. It, it happens. I, I actually, I bought some underwear recently, so I fall into that category as well. Hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. You know, you, you can't wear underwear and be a minimalist. <laughs> no, and what, I, what I've learned is sometimes when you go to our events, some of the, the best-dressed people have done something called Project 333. Some of y'all are familiar with that? Yeah. I would look at them and see what their wardrobe looks like because it's probably the, the best in here. And here's why. I, I, I think that limitations breed creativity, but they also bring forward your favorite things. You probably have something in your closet that you, that you don't absolutely enjoy wearing, but you're holding on to it just in case. For me, I used to weigh 80 pounds more than I weigh now, so I had several tubs in my basement of clothes just in case I got fat again. <laughs> And so that's I, a horrible backup plan, <laughs> right? Why didn't you stop me? <laughs> no, I, I, um, 
I, I think having limitations like that. So check out Project 333. It's just uh, uh, com slash Courtney. For those of you listening at home, we'll put a link to that in the show notes or podcast Sean will. Um, and and I, I think that having certain limitations like that, here's another thing. Don't purchase something for X number of days. For me, I found that five months was a really good sweet spot, and you will experience some deprivation there. It's going to be short-term deprivation, but all of a sudden, it'll help you refocus your appreciation, A, for what you have, but B, for, for what you need. And uh, if you do that four or five months, I'd, I'd try it for five months, and, and it'll reshift what you focus on. I'll give you one last tip. Before I went to the outfit, I would in my closet, you know, get something, put it on. And every time I had this feeling of like, yeah, this looks okay. But if I didn't love it, like it was, it was going in the donate box. Mm -hmm. So if you have a ton of clothes, which it sounds like you have enough, maybe a little bit more, um, I would highly recommend using that rule. If you put it on and you look in the mirror and you don't feel outstanding, then, then get rid of it. There's no reason to hold on to that anyway. We're going to go back and forth all night because I got one more thing for you. <laughs> in 2011, I, um, one of the first interviews I ever did with, with some, some blog, uh, some journalists reached out to us and said, they want to know, like, what are your three favorite items that you own? I'm like, shit, they're not, they're kind of missing the point of the whole minimalism thing. Um, but okay. It's true that I do get immense value from the things I have. I get far more value from the few items that I kept, right? And so the clothes I have, I actually do get far more value from them. But the way they word it is like, what items do you love? And I'm like, oh, I, there are some things that I loved. I had a favorite pair of shoes. I had a favorite like, dress shirt. And I had a favorite pair of jeans. And I had to ask myself, why do I love these things? Well, why am I so attached to them? And so here's another experiment you may want to try if you're brave enough. I said, you know, here are my three favorite things. And with that journalist, said, I'd like to give these away to someone who could use them. Getting rid of my favorite things helped me let go of the attachment to any of the other things. Because here's the other cool thing, is I had other shirts that stepped up and became my favorite shirt, or my favorite shoes, or favorite pair of pants. And thus, I was no longer as attached to my, quote, favorite things. Those are some great tips. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Josh. Hi, Ryan. Um, my name is Emily. Howdy. I'm actually from Spokane, Washington. My husband and I drove up here this weekend. Oh, wow. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for making the drive. Uh, yeah. That is uh, that's quite a drive. Spokane is the Dayton, Ohio of the Northwest. It is. It absolutely yeah. is. And we missed you guys when you were in Spokane. It was great. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. So we made the drive up here. Um, Josh, I want to tell you really quickly that I really appreciate in your writings whenever you're telling people that they can be passionate about anything, that there's even people passionate about accounting, because we're both accounting students and we love accounting, so we're those people. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. It's true. We, we have an accountant who is passionate about accounting. I, I don't understand it, but I don't understand people who are passionate about horseback riding either. Like, but I, I, I get that you are, and I think it's great. Bravo. Thank you. Um, my question is what advice you have for people sitting here tonight. Um, sometimes it seems like we're not able to make drastic changes in our life until something catastrophic happens. For you, Josh, it was losing your mom and your divorce. Um, Ryan, it sounds like you were maybe getting close to rock bottom with the drug abuse and the alcohol abuse. Um, <laughs> I don't think she intended that to be funny, but it was. And it's pretty accurate. <laughs> And so for people who are sitting here thinking that, well, I'm relatively happy, my life isn't falling apart around me, what advice would you have for those people why now is the time to take action and drastically change their lives? Yeah, I think, I think the status quo is a bit of a problem because until those two events, I didn't really realize how discontented I was. It was this low-level discontent, this anxiety, this constant stress, this, I was living someone else's ideal life, but it wasn't my ideal life. And, and for me, when my mom died, my marriage ended, it was just sort of this, this shift in focus. Like, wow, what, what is truly important to me? And, and what have I been focused on? I didn't, I was sort of going with the flow for a long time. But, but the problem is when you go with the flow, eventually you end up at the rapids. And if you don't have a plan once you get there, man, you're in for a world of hurt. 
And, and so I think that now, minimalism is sort of the way that I'm able to paddle against the current, right? And like Ryan was talking about earlier in his talk when he said, it's not a perfect life, it's not an easy life. In fact, it's the opposite of easy, right? Simple isn't easy. It's well curated, it's intentional, it's deliberate. It's, in a weird way, it's sort of the obverse side of that, that coin. But when I, look at, when I look at that old life, my problem there is that I was too comfortable. I actually wasn't experiencing enough pain or I didn't associate enough pleasure with making the change because making the change is actually more painful than staying where you are. Me walking away from the corporate world wasn't just walking away from the corporate world. It was spending over two years on the tightest budget you can possibly imagine to pay off an immense amount of debt. That's really painful when you're used to spending a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, which I cringe just saying that now. Um, but, but it allows me to, to look back at that and say, okay, that was a temporary pain, but I knew what was around the bin. I knew what the outcome was, and I was able to associate enough pleasure with what that outcome was, and then also associate enough pain with what this status quo is right now. And, and what are those pain points for you? It might be health, it might be finances. For me, it was both of those things. Finances were out of control. I, I made really good money, but I spent even better money. And so I had massive amounts of debt. And that's, that's painful because it kept me tethered to this lifestyle that wasn't bringing me meaning or purpose or fulfillment. So associate enough pain with what's going on now if you want to make a change and enough pleasure with what it looks like. Like, what's that ideal place? Not the perfect place. What's the ideal place? Because you're never going to get there, by the way. You're still going to have problems. They're just going to be better problems. Yeah, the comfort, the comfort zone is um, it's, a, it's, <clears throat> it's a dangerous place to be. I mean, for me, I was comfortable. I mean, man, you drink enough and do enough drugs, like you're comfortable. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Um, I just heard someone go, woo. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe back in the alley after the show. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't do that. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, I think for me, I was about to hit rock bottom. And, and it wasn't about um, having the, a traumatic event happen. Um, you know, what, what happened to Josh, I think it was way more traumatizing than what I went through. I mean, I, I got to a point where... Uh, man, I was just, everyone I knew, like all my friends who were doing drugs, they like eventually transitioned to heroin. And I remember at a certain point, like I'm going through withdrawal and I can't find my drugs and alcohol isn't doing it. And I'm like, well, everyone else is doing heroin. Like maybe, but like as soon as I even started to have that thought, I was like, okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Would it be fair to say you, like, you saw rock bottom before you got there? Yeah, yeah. Like I saw a little glimpse of it. Well, because I saw their lives. And I'll tell you, like now, I can, now on two hands, or three hands, it would take three hands now. There uh, you go. Yes. That's a third hand. Yes. And uh, yeah, to, uh, that I know people, uh, of, of, of how many people I know who have overdosed on heroin. And, and a lot of them have, have passed away, unfortunately. And um, yes, I, I do think that having a traumatic experience or, or getting close to rock bottom certainly can or, or you know, does in a lot of cases give someone leverage to really make major life changes. But you know, if I could talk to my you know, 25-year-old self, I would, I would just really try and instill on that person. So I guess the same thing I'm trying, you know, I would try to instill on someone who's in that comfort zone but isn't happy. I would really try to instill that, hey, if you're not happy with what you're doing, it can only get worse. So start to make a change now or really regret later not instilling that change. And the other thing too is, I mean, 
you know, for someone who's in that state, I would say, look at your priorities. What are your priorities? Because if you were to ask my 25-year-old self, like, hey, Ryan, what are your priorities? I would have had great answers. I would have been like, well, my health is my priorities. If I'm not healthy, what do I have? And my relationships, well, of course, you know, the top five people you hang around and who your role models are, that's, that, that's, that's who you are as a person. And, you know, you got to be passionate about something and, you know, you got to contribute. But when I really look at who I was at 25, I wasn't doing or focusing on any of those things. And I realized that, oh yeah, my, my priorities, they aren't what I say they are, it's what I actually do. So for anyone out there who is in this comfort zone but sees themselves or feels themselves getting to this unhappy state, I would say, write down what your priorities are. Get clear on what it is you want to do with your life. And where is the least uh, like if you were to look at those priorities as buckets of water or sand, like where is the least full bucket? And start there. And I'll tell you, like when, when you do start focusing on your priorities, it's, it is difficult. And it, it, there is some drudgery that goes along with, with it. But once you actually fill those buckets, the feeling that one gets, it's, it's so much better than comfort. Yeah, show, show me your calendar, I'll, I'll show you your priorities. Um, before we move on to the next little, little segment here, if you're listening to this at home and you have a comment or tip for anyone who asked a question today, you can call up, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. Uh, we'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. You can also send a voice memo right from your phone now. Those usually sound pretty good. Uh, if you just go to podcast at theminimalists.com, it's always really helpful if you write it down first because brevity is, is the soul of wit. Or brevity is wit, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, give us a comment tip. It's really my favorite segment of our podcast is when we stop talking and other people, like, because that's one of the reasons we go on the road right now is to listen to the questions in person. It's so much different from just uh, getting an answer machine. It's also a reason we're building this podcast studio so we can do live callers, interact with people on the air live. Uh, you get a lot more out of that. But getting tips from other people who, you know, they, they have it more figured out than we do in particular instances with you know, technology or scanning or relationships or whatever. I get some of the best tips I'm able to, to sort of steal and reuse and repackage for, these, uh, for our events. But uh, it's, it's listening, so please call in. We'll, uh, we will air your comments on a future episode. Ryan, what time is it? It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist lightning round where we usually answer questions from social media. Indeed, we but are. But that'd be weird if we got on our cell phones right now and started answering questions. <laughs> we, we are on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at the Minimalists, and we usually take this round to answer questions with a, a short, shareable, less than 140 character response, something pithy. We call them minimal maxims, and um, but we'll just maunder on a bit now until we can figure out something tweetable for you. By the way. Uh, Jessica Lynn Williams runs all of our social media, and she live tweets from these things. You can check our, our Twitter account. And She's you can, over there. You can use the hashtag lessisnow, and uh, you can check that as well. You can also post any of your pictures from tonight using that hashtag. We'll repost some of our favorites. But if you want to see some of the, the live tweeting from some of the pithy or obnoxious answers that we give tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Lynn Williams, give her a round of applause. You can find all of these pithy, minimal maxims. She runs a, a side website for us called minimalmaxims.com, which we just started recently, and you just refresh it. It's a new quote every single time. And so a lot of people, we, we've been told, are putting it as their sort of, what's that called on, on the main page of your browser? The home page? Not screensaver, home page. <laughs> I like internets. You're supposed to be the one with a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what it was called. Uh, but yeah, so uh, you can put that as your homepage and just a different quote every, every time you, you pull it up, it refreshes. Minimal, minimalmaxims.com. But what is your name and your question? And we'll do our best to give you something pithy eventually. I'm Cameron and I'm from Calgary. Do we Howdy. have any other Calgarians here? <laughs> awesome. Heck yeah. Uh, so this should be really easy, probably like six words. Um, favorite ski uh, resort you've been to, and last podcast you've listened to, Josh. All right, that's. Thank God he gave you a a, a part B question, because <laughs> Millie has been snowboarding once in his life, and I took him, 
in Ohio. And like, I mean, compared to here, it, w- it was like the, f- the first, you know, beginner hill, but it was like, it was a bunny hill compared to like anything around here. It was less than a bunny hill. I almost, I almost killed Josh. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty funny. Like, I don't know if you've ever been with someone snowboarding for the first time, but he was totally doing the lake <laughs> down the hill, just going in 360s. And I was like, man, he really knows what he's doing until he like ate it and anyway. I couldn't find the brakes. <laughs> What's oh, your favorite man. place to go skiing? Or snowboarding? Uh... Sunshine, it's over in Banff. Yeah. God damn it, Canada. You, you kill Montana when it comes to scenery. Go to the Polar Peak and Fernie. You'll like it. What's that? Polar Peak and Fernie. It's okay. I, and I haven't been to Whistler yet, which I hear is pretty awesome too. Um, but yeah, I, I was like really lucky uh, back in... Uh, right before our tour, January 2014, to go to, it's, I think it's Sunshine Village. Am, am I right on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, mountains for days. Oh, my goodness. Like, you get to the top of a mountain. And in Montana, like, it is gorgeous. I mean, Glacier is amazing. If you haven't been to Montana, like, I would totally recommend it. It's, I mean, it's really, it's like, it, you just got to go south a few hours. <laughs> it's right there. Um, Whitefish is unbelievable. People are great down there. Um, yeah, but... Uh, Man, like Banff just is, it's a whole other level of beauty. Podcasts. Um, I aspire to be a conversationalist like Joe Rogan is one day. I was just listening to, to his podcast. He is the Mozart of podcasting. I think he's a really talented stand-up comedian, and he's, he's sort of this autodidact who is a, a renaissance man in so many ways, but... He stumbled into this thing called podcasting a long time ago, and he is an amazing conversationalist. He can have a, a, a physicist uh, uh, on one day and a guy who beats up people for a living the next day, and he can have an equally coherent conversation with both of them. And we don't do interviews on our podcast mainly because I, it terrifies me. <laughs> Um, and so Ryan and I just have conversations. We're just sort of practicing right now. We just interview each other every single podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I, I think that's, for me, I, the only person who, who can get me to listen to a three-hour podcast is, is probably Joe Rogan. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, man, thank you for the question. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, nothing pithy there. Well, Joe Rogan is the Mozart of podcasting. That's pithy. <laughs> I'm so short. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Howdy. My name's Christine. I'm from Hamilton originally, but I moved to Calgary a few years ago, which is probably why you asked who's actually from Calgary, because most people from Calgary or live in Calgary aren't from Calgary, it seems. We did a tour stop in Hamilton three years ago. It was like, this is our first legit tour. We've been on eight tours in seven years, and um, it was on a porch of a restaurant, I recall. Okay. Dude, when, when people sat on the porch... Because, yeah. like, it just more people showed up than what we had expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the porch and, seated 14 and, what, what 25 whatever. people showed up? <laughs> it, was unbe- it was unbelievable. I, I, it, was, it was, like, 50. I remember the guy who owned the place, he went, as people were packing onto the porch, because it was on the second level, yeah. oh, he, like, yeah. went downstairs. He was, like, looking to see if, if it was going to give way. <laughs> <laughs> and it was... It was the most nerve-wracking talk I have ever given. <laughs> but it was excellent, and, and, and everything was fine. And actually, he learned, like, I got a really, really strong porch. <laughs> What's your question? Um, so my question is about gifting. Um, so you've talked about it in previous podcasts, but um, I'm just wondering about people who, like, their language of love is about gifting. So they gift as a way to show how they care about you, but if you don't want those gifts because your house is already full of stuff or you want to, you'd prefer experiences, how do you have that conversation with people? How do you, even if you've kind of already had it, like, what's maybe the best way to approach it? <laughs> because yeah. you, you don't want to take away from how they're showing but, they care, but you, you don't want to. Do you want to have a mock conversation? Yeah, or I can talk about a conversation I had with my grandma about the, the, the paperweight she gave me. Well, let's, let's, let's have two. 
That's a that's a good one, but let's 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 yeah let's have a mock conversation, but let's do it back and forth because, as you all know who listen to the podcast, uh, I am the voice of reason, and Ryan is the voice of sanity probably. Um, but let's go with compassion. Compassion, okay. Yes, voice of compassion. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so I'm I'm a bit more draconian. So here's my pithy answer for you. Then we'll have a conversation. Uh, my my tweetable answer is. If gift-giving is a love language, then Pig Latin is a romance language. <laughs> All right, so and I'll, well, we can talk about that, but... Um, Thanks, this will give me time to uh, think of a pithy answer. So, so let's, uh, let's talk about it. Um, hey, who's the gifter here? You're the gifter. I'm giving you something? Yeah. Ryan, I, man... It's it's Christmas, and I got I you. I love Christmas. I, I really got, do, actually. I freaking love Christmas. I got you this. Everybody's nice. <laughs> Look how nice he's being to me right now, uh, and he's just pretending it's Christmas. <laughs> Look, just go ahead and open these. <laughs> oh wow! Thank you for this gift. Man, cufflinks. That's great. Did you like the wrapping paper I put the on The wrapping it? paper was great. Man, I can, I can tell that you really went out of your way. Man, they even have my initials on them. Yeah. That's really amazing, man. Thank you. Wow, Thank you. you embroidered them. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> man, thank you so much for this thoughtful, thoughtful gift. You're welcome. Hey, when do you think you're going to wear them? Well, here... <clears throat> I gotta be honest with you. I, I really love you, man. And I know how much you love me. I, I can tell by this gift that you gave me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just throw them in the trash. <laughs> no, and, and I can tell how much you love me by this gift. Man, I gotta be honest with you. I'm, I'm not really much of a cufflink wearer, but you know what? I know someone with the same exact initials <laughs> who does wear cufflinks. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm probably never going to use these. It, it, is it cool with you if I, like, give these to my friend, Ryan <laughs> Nibble Nacodemus? <laughs> you have a friend named Ryan Nibble Nacodemus? I do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So, so, so let's let's reverse it here. So, hey, Ryan, my, my birthday was just this past summer, right? In, in June 29th, I turned 36, and I'm going to be turning 37 next June. And let's talk about birthday gifts. Fuck, we're old, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, birthday gifts. Um, yeah. Now, now last year. I've got to tell you, man, that George Foreman grill. Mm. Did you use that? I, well, what do you mean by used it? <laughs> I, I put it on my counter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, next year I'm turning 37. Yeah. And, you know, how about this? I'm certainly not going to tell you not to get gifts for me because I know for you that gift giving is a love language. <laughs> And I, what I really know by that, I know that you don't mean that gift-giving is an actual love language in the sense that giving a physical gift, what you want to do by gift-giving is you're trying to add value to my life. And I really appreciate that. And let me tell you, I made this list, this spreadsheet. <laughs> of all of the ways that you could add value to my life. <laughs> via experiences. <laughs> now you'll notice the first one here says, leave me alone for a week. <laughs> All right, I hope that helped. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. No, kidding. No. <laughs> so so here, here is the, the, the honest thing about that. Like, the, gift giving can be 
a love language in the sense that adding value is a love language, not the gifting of a physical good. That is one way to try to add value to someone else's life. But the truth is we're so steeped in consumerism, we don't need any more shit. And so there are so many better ways to add value to someone's life. And, and you have to figure out how can I help augment their experience. And it could be via a, a normal experience that you may have with them, concert tickets. I'm sure some of you have brought significant others or friends tonight to this where they're like, I have no idea what I'm getting into. And, uh, but I know it's going to be important for the person for me to be there and support them. And so sometimes it's just showing up and supporting them for something that you may not want to go to uh, and, and finding a way to improve their life via experiences. Or if you absolutely have to give a physical thing, I find consumables are great, like a, uh, a great bag of coffee, bottle of wine, something like that. Yeah. Um, I think Josh and I will probably differ a little bit on this. Uh, I mean, gift, gift giving, maybe? Like, I feel like maybe it could be a love language. I mean, someone wrote a book on it. It's got to be true, right? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, like, if, and, and I'm not, I'm just going to, I'm just going to give it to you, to you straight. Uh, if you are someone who gift giving is your love language and you're buying people shitty gifts, what a lazy ass way to show your love. <laughs> That's pithy. <laughs> I'll just stop. There. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right, but before we move on, uh, how many people do we have left in line? I can't see a damn thing. There's at least four. Oh, okay, so I need two of them to hang out. I'm going to apologize to the other four because um, we, got, we have to move on to another segment. The two people who are going to be remaining, we'll get to you in a moment. All of you will get a hug. You, you can rest assured. Um, we, we, uh, we usually do the segment called Added Value where we talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. And, uh, you know, we usually just recommend some sort of Drake album or something. <laughs> and, um, but we're here in Calgary, so we're going to talk about some local stuff that has added value to our lives yeah. in Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, am I going first? Ryan, what has added value to your life <laughs> while here in Calgary? Oh, man. Um, first off, I, I love Calgary. Like, it's... it's uh, I don't know. The people are great, man. I, I, I don't know. I just, I really love Calgary. I love Canada uh, for the reason that a lot of, a lot of Canadian cities, major, huge Canadian cities, they, they don't focus on a lot of chain restaurants. It's, it's, it's more mom and pop, like restaurants everywhere. I don't know if you've ever been to the States, but it's like, no matter what city you go to, there's couple Applebee's and a couple TGI Fridays and a couple Ruby Tuesdays and if you're in the Midwest you got champs and Ryan I just saw this uh, article this uh, octogenarian couple who finally visited every Cracker Barrel in the United States congratulations <laughs> hashtag life goals hashtag blessed Um, there, uh, we ate at a restaurant earlier today. Um, all right, so, uh, Jess has the most allergies I've ever known of in my life, food allergies. God love her. She's mainly allergic to flavor. <laughs> Josh has the second most allergies I have ever known. I'm allergic to fun. <laughs> um, I, uh, I'm trying this like ketogenic thing with, with Milburn to support him and um, I really like uh, a lot of the benefits that come from it. So we go to this restaurant and um, the, the waitress comes up and she's like, hey, can I take your order? And she doesn't have a pad of paper and I'm like, I'm like looking at Jess, I'm like, this is going to be so, we're going to be like those guys at the table. Like, <laughs> like who, where did, this, where did this pork come from? We don't ask that question, I'm kidding. Um, well, she literally asked, is there pepper on the chicken? <laughs> so, so uh, long story short, um, they, uh, she went way out of her way to take this huge, long list of an order with substitutes and removals. I asked her to go get a notepad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh was like, you're, you're, yeah, thank God he asked her. Like, you know what? We're, I'm sorry we're going to be really difficult, but you might want to write this down. Um, but we went to um, Dairy Lane Cafe 
on 19th. Oh my, the food was outstanding. And like they actually do, they have a, you don't, you don't have to ask where it comes from because on a board it's like, hey, this is where we get our pork from. This is where we get our beef from, which is really, really cool. So I would totally recommend that. Um, what do you got, Millie? Yeah, we, we've been here four times in the last uh, five years. And um, every time I get coffee here, I didn't get a chance to do it today because we like, just got in from Vancouver. So you better believe I'm going to go get some good coffee tomorrow. But Phil and Sebastian's is like amazing. Although I've been told quite a bit on the Twitters that um, I need to go to a place called Monogram. So, so let's, get, let's vote here, and you're going to decide where we go in the morning. With a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. So, so first, Phil and Sebastian's. All right. And Monogram. Well, there you have it. So, TGI Fridays it is. <laughs> If, uh, for those of you listening to this, if you're visiting Calgary, there's a couple of good recommendations for you. Let's move on real quick to right here, right now, so we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Don't worry, you all. We'll get to your questions in a moment. And um, we're in the middle of this tour, if you couldn't tell. It's uh, 40 cities. All of Canada is sold out, so thank you, Canada, for supporting the minimalists. God, yeah. A lot of cities in the States are already sold out as well. Some tickets left over at lessisnow.com. There's one city in particular that isn't sold out. It's November 5th, and it's in Houston. Mm. Now, you can imagine why that's not sold out. And there's a lot of um, troubling stuff happening in the South right now. I mean, uh, Ryan and I own a coffee shop in Florida, and we just boarded it up yesterday. We didn't personally. Um, we were in Canada. And, but... Uh, it's, I mean, we're closed for the next week. All the staff is safe, and we want to make sure of that. And, and we, don't, we have no idea what's going to happen to, to Florida. But what's going on in Houston right now, if you've seen the pictures, it's total devastation. Over 100,000 houses have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. And we wanted to help. So for those of you listening at home, if you get a chance to attend the event there on November 5th, 100% of the profits go to the Hurricane Harvey Relief Fund. We partnered up with a charity called Global Giving. And 100% of the money reaches the ground there for two different things. One is immediate rescue relief and aid, which is really important. But then two, the long-term rebuilding efforts. It's going to take months, ideally, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take years, to be honest, to rebuild many of these houses. And so we wanted to help. But there are other ways that you can help as well. You can go to theminimalists.com slash Harvey, and you can donate directly to Global Giving. It doesn't even go through us. We just send you right over to, to their website. Thanks. No, I just, I've been looking for a time to interject this story over the last like three or four tour stops we've been on. Um, but when, when we were in, uh, where, where were we? Toronto? Yeah, we're Or no, oh, no, Montreal. Okay. Yeah, it was Montreal, I think. Um, no, for sure, because, yeah, Montreal. <laughs> I freaking love, Montreal has got this like Berlin thing going on. I just love it, man. It's like, yeah, it's really, really awesome. because they all speak German. <laughs> What? No, with like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, but anyway, I'm in Montreal. Uh, we're going to go on stage. I get this, um, uh, like, I, I'm sitting there and I'm uh, looking at Instagram. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I always have these, like, requested messages that I never pay attention to. Um, because if I do, then I feel like I have to answer them. And it's, it's, uh, it's just a lot to, like, <laughs> respond to, you know, a million people if you're rounding up to the nearest million. So I just, I was sitting there and I'm like, you know what, I'm at least going to go through it uh, just to see if there's like any friends trying to get a hold of me, you know, whatever. Like I'll any just like nudes. browse through it, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I get this, um, <laughs> I get Sorry, this, he's about to tell like a really heartwarming story and I'm stepping on it. I really do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it w I wouldn't have it any other way, man. No, so uh, it's, it's this uh, message from, uh, all I saw was, um, you know, so, like just something really heartfelt, like you have no idea how much, you know, and then it's like the ellipsis, and I'm like, all right, you got me. Like I'm going to, you know, click on it. 
And it was, uh, you have no idea how much uh, this means to me right now. And then, like, I pull up this picture, and it's this woman who's holding a copy of uh, Minimalism, uh, Live a Meaningful Life, and she's ankle deep in water in her house. And, like, that's why, that's why we do this. Like, that is why Josh and I will go on tour eight times in seven years. That is why we will leave our partners for a little bit. I mean, A, we got really supportive, awesome partners, but, but that right there is why Josh and I really go out and do this. At the end of my talk when I said, we really wanna add value to all of your lives, I really mean that. And uh, if it was just her that got something out of it, like it would make the whole thing worthwhile. So um, if you are like us and you like to give back, this is a perfect opportunity for y'all to, uh, to help out some, some people who are in need. Yeah, so all the details to everything I just talked about, theminimalists.com slash Harvey. You can find all the ways that you can contribute, even leave a review or attend the event. You can contribute directly as well. Um, speaking of minimalism, live a meaningful life, um, we have books out there afterward. Um, but I don't want to try to force any books onto anyone here. So if you came here, you can't afford one, you didn't bring your wallet, you just want to steal one, feel free. Um, <laughs> we, we're happy to buy you one. You're welcome to buy one as well. Uh, 100%. Try and steal it though, that would be awesome. <laughs> I want to see Jess catch someone stealing a book. <laughs> She's our strong arm. <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, we'll, we'll be out there afterward, about 20 minutes after the event. We'll dish out hugs and photos and sign stuff as well. Uh, one last thing on right here right now is Ryan and I are moving this month to Los Angeles because that's where people go to tell stories. And we want to be able to continue to tell, tell our story and illuminate other people's stories as well. And the way we're going to do that is we're building a podcast and film studio. A lot of people really resonated with our documentary. And so we want to do a lot more meaningful video creations, not content creation. I'm allergic to just creating content for the sake of content. That word has been just bastardized and stepped on. And uh, we want to do something meaningful. But we do need your help. We keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, even though it's one of the biggest podcasts in the world, which is a really odd thing to say every time I have to say it. Um, but you see 5,000 advertisements a day, and I don't want it to be 5,000 plus another mattress ad and a Squarespace ad and whatever else is investing our, our podcast world these days. I think it's possible to do ads in a way that can add value to people's lives, but I think for the most part, um, they don't align with our values. And so we could use your help. If you wanna become a supporter of The Minimalist Podcast, you can go to theminimalists.com, click on the donate thing at the top. There are two ways to support. You can give a one-time donation, or you can contribute via something called Patreon. We have over a 1,000 people right now. We're trying to get 1% of our audience to become patrons, and that's gonna help us build a podcast and film studio, zero dollars goes to me or Ryan. And what we're, we're using that money for is to pay full-time producer, full-time filmmaker, and obviously pay for the studio and all, all the equipment. But also, we want to give something back to you. So we, each week now, we've been doing a bonus overtime episode of the Minimalists podcast. You can, it shows up in your podcast feed, so if you listen on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or Google Play or whatever, you just get a separate feed. So you get the Minimalist podcast, but then in addition to that, you get the Minimalists private podcast straight from Patreon if you are a Patreon supporter. And so right now, Sean, if you can fade out somehow, he, he will on the audio. And then we'll, uh, we'll go to this private podcast and we'll be back to the regularly scheduled program in a moment. And now, Sean, back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Uh, so while we're on the road, we have a tour manager. Uh, we also have a podcast producer. We have a podcast editor. We have a website editor, a book editor. We have an all-around outstanding human being, operations manager, the director of operations for The Minimalist, the guy behind The Minimalism, he does all of this. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast Sean is yeah. lurking in the shadows. We love you, Sean!
before we get out of here, I want to thank two other people. Well, one is an organization. I want to thank the University of Calgary for having us here tonight. Let's give them a round of applause. Yeah. And most important, oh, by the way, if, uh, if you do get a book tonight out there, please minimize it afterward. You know, just you can pass it on to a friend, family member, arch nemesis. Uh, someone else. It won't do you any good collecting dust on, on a shelf. Uh, anyway, uh, I do want to thank one other person, and that person is you. Ryan and I are really grateful you decided to spend some time with us here tonight. It, it costs you money to get in here, which allows us to pay Sean and pay Jess and actually sleep on, sleep on a bed instead of someone's floor or a rest stop, which is what our old plan was. It allows us to travel here, pay for security and staff at the venue, pay for the venue. And you also gave up two of your most precious resources, though. You gave up your time and your attention. And we're really grateful for that. And if you leave here with just one message tonight, we hope it's this. Love people and use things. Because the opposite never works. Thanks for being here, y'all. Thank you, Calgary. Thank you so much. Crystal calling from Seattle, and I had um, uh, two suggestions um, based on recent podcasts. The first one was regarding um, getting rid of social media on your phone, and I have uninstalled Instagram, though I still have an account. It's the only social media platform I use, so what I've done instead of compulsively checking it every single time I pick up my phone is I've uninstalled it and I check it on my desktop before and after I start my work, before I start my work day and as I end. I have found that also there's no ads that come through when you check on um, desktop. And although the usability isn't as robust as it is with the app, it's still a great way to look at cat pictures and everything else you'd want to see on Instagram. My second um, tip was for the woman who um, said the eclipse glasses were weighing her down. Um, I ran into somebody who lives in an area where they're having a solar eclipse in a year or two and has family um, that are still there. And she was looking to collect eclipse glasses that people had already used so she could avoid spending the money on them in the future and also avoid sending the existing ones to the landfill so those in the U.S. probably won't hang on to them. So I might recommend looking to figure out when the next eclipses are and maybe reaching out to communities in those areas to see if there's some sort of an exchange um, to divert those from the landfill, but also find a great way um, to get rid of them so you're not hanging on to them. Hello, my name is Daria. I'm from Holly Springs, North Carolina. I'm running errands this morning, and I'm listening to episode 99 of the podcast called Breathe, and I literally pulled over, put the car into park, because I had a comment for Sophie, who feels judged and questioned by those around her about her choices, and she's tired of um, constantly explaining herself. I think part of the reason you may be feeling judged and you may be questioned is because you're holding up a mirror to these people. And sometimes what they're seeing is a bit uncomfortable. You know, they may be in their mind and heart questioning, am I purchasing too much? Am I spending time on things that don't matter? And so people like comfort, as the minimalists always say, and so part of the reason they might be questioning you and judging you is because they want you to go back to their side and, re- and af- reaffirm and affirm their choices. So I, my advice to you would be be the statue, um, stand firm in, in your difference, and maybe um, in the future you will, you will show the other people um, the light. Hi, Josh and Ryan. My name is Jeffrey, and I live in Anchorage, Alaska. I just wanted to share a short story with you guys that relates to the idea that instead of trying to convert people, people will recognize the benefits of your lifestyle. Over the past year, I've been trying to rid my life of clutter and focus on what's most important to me. Throughout this time, I've used various phrases along the lines of having less stuff just helps me be more creative, or having less stuff just gives me more freedom, 
and other similar phrases. I've never once told anyone that, quote, I'm a minimalist, nor have I even used the word minimalist. But just the other day, my friend came up to me and said, hey, I checked out that minimalist thing of yours. It's pretty interesting. And he said he was excited to try some of the ideas out. I recall your answers to the questions of how do I make my loved ones become minimalists. And I felt this story perfectly encompassed the idea that people will notice the benefits of your intentional living. You won't need to force your lifestyle or your ideas on people. And if the people close to you are at a point in their lives where they are ready for growth, they'll actively seek out what benefits they are seeing in your own life. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So take your eyes away Or take your eyes away 